0: GRIT It's what enables an individual to persevere in accomplishing a goal despite obstacles, barriers and ceilings placed in their way over and over again On SEN, this is GRIT with Daisy Pierce Welcome to This is Grit for Victoria Police Victoria Police is now recruiting, apply now My guest this week is Elise Perry. Elise has been the face of women's sport in Australia since becoming a dual-sport Australian representative at the age of 16. Remarkably, she's competed at a World Cup in both cricket and soccer. She chose to narrow her focus on cricket and has been one of the most outstanding and consistent performers on the world stage with both bat and ball ever since. She was a key cog in Australia's most recent T20 World Cup title in 2018 the leading run scorer in last season's WBBL tournament. She was player of the match in four of the seven matches in England this year for the Ashes and recently became the first cricketer ever to reach the all-round milestone of 1,000 T20 runs and 100 T20 wickets. A finalist for this year's Don Award, Elise is one of, if not the best cricketers in the world right now. She's also a thinker, articulate, humble, no fuss and cares deeply about her sport. I caught up with her at the team hotel between matches during their recent series against Sri Lanka. Enjoy Elise Perry. Well, I've been sitting here for a little while thinking, I look like a fan creeping out the front of Elise Perry's hotel. And then I realised I don't just look like one, I am a fan creeping out the front of Elise Perry's hotel. Um, <laughs> thanks so much for joining us. It's a real honour to, to meet you and have the chance to catch up. Oh, not at all, it's a pleasure to chat. <laughs> Um, as a, sorry, as a mutual fan as well. Oh. So. <laughs> You're fresh off the T20 series win last night against Sri Lanka, and I've literally been able to grab the hour between team breakfast and getting on the team bus headed for Brisbane for the ODIs, so thank you.
1: <laughs> oh, not at all. My pleasure to chat.
0: It has this sort of program of flying around the place and living oh, in and out yeah. of hotels and bags, thank you. Here are our coffees. Thank you very much. Long black for yeah. Perry <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's my coffee trip, yeah. So. Um yeah has it become normal um, yeah it's funny actually we were sort of
1: chatting about this this morning certainly um, every year it gets a little bit busier which is just awesome like it's really indicative of how much the sport's going and evolving I guess there's like pros and cons with that in terms of not spending huge amounts of time at home or with family and and friends but yeah I I think the experiences and I guess the progress that that's led to for our team has been pretty awesome and yeah so it's been nice I've seen a lot of the world in the last um, 12 months in particular but you know even the last couple of years so yeah it's kind of new and exciting and um I think you kind of like look forward to the next thing all the time at the moment so uh, we're pretty lucky
0: now your story is one that's been well told but never gets old or dulls in its impressiveness a 16 year old who within the space of a fortnight debuted in both a cricket national team and also a soccer national team for the matildas 99 this is a number i'm pulling out of my bum 99.9 <laughs> percent of people don't get to excel or play at the highest level in any sport you did it in two. What was it about you that enabled you to do that? <laughs> Look, I think <laughs> a lot of it is probably like um,
1: many stories in, in sport. It's kind of about good fortune and timing. Um, I think there was certainly an, an element of that in terms of my opportunity to play you know firstly cricket I think um you know so some, some re- big retirements just before I was selected to debut and you know they were in um I guess similar roles to the way that I play the game and um so it was sort of like okay and then there was a few injuries and I think you know fortunately the selectors just decided they'd take a gamble on a, on a kid for a, a series um and then with football it was kind of a, a similar thing like there was an opportunity to send a, a younger more inexperienced team to a game over in Hong Kong and they did that and I was a part of that group so yeah I was just kind of one of those things like it just all fell into place when it did but you know at the same time too I think wrapped up in that is probably like some incredible support from certainly my family and my mum and dad in particular but but also just some really great coaches and and people involved in sport along the way that always made me enjoy it and want to be a part of it and yeah I guess I've just always had this uh a little bit of an innate kind of sense of wanting to challenge myself with things and so um, yeah from from a reasonably young age I just always wanted to be a part of things and, and try out
0: for things and yeah fortunately things went my way yeah at the time that they did. So before you were doing it in green and gold w- when did you first fall in love with either cricket or soccer or which one came yeah. first? Um, I
1: actually think they kind of were pretty much the same year. I was a huge tomboy at school. Like, I've got an older brother and I sort of, you know, used to play with him in the backyard, and you know, I guess go exploring the local neighbourhood of the weekend and all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, when I went to school, I just kind of gravitated toward all the boys in the playground and wanted to do what they were doing. And I just distinctly remember a couple of the guys that I was friends with talking about joining the local soccer team down at the Beecroft Wombats, which I went to Beecroft Primary School and. They were like, yeah, we're going to go and try out the under sixes, I think. And I was just asked mum and dad if they could take me along. And so I did that and reasonably similar thing with cricket. It was probably a little bit more motivated by my dad and my older brother playing um playing cricket but yeah I just had a crack at it I guess
0: We're sitting at a busy little cafe in a side street in Chatswood in Sydney having a coffee, chatting to Elise Perry Um, I'm mindful not to boil you with questions that you've probably been asked a million times before, I think the last time you were asked it I heard your answer and I thought I better not ask it but I have to go there for people that (laughs) maybe haven't heard your story in great detail before but I can imagine juggling the two sports would have made your adolescence very different to most of ours? (laughs) Um, Yeah, maybe. I
1: think, yeah, it was a lot of fun, absolutely. But I I do think probably to an extent I maybe grew up a little bit quicker than, um, yeah, especially, like, still being really close with a lot of friends from school, like, it's all they kind of joke with me now at the moment, like that I've kind of like done this reverse Benjamin button thing where <laughs> I like, grew up pretty quick and was pretty serious about you know I guess trying to be successful in sport, and so like you know when they were they going to parties during the week and all that kind of stuff I'd, I'd always go along but I'd, I'd drive them and then I'd leave pretty early and and that kind of stuff whereas um, I guess now like having had that experience when I was younger and um, being really serious about the work that I was doing um, not to say that I'm not anymore but I think I've kind of figured it out a bit more and so I'm maybe a little bit more relaxed than, than they used to be hence the Benjamin Button reference but like yeah, I mean, it just—that's how it panned out for me, and I like absolutely love the challenge of, especially juggling two sports. I guess when I think about it now, it'd be interesting to see what that would be like because women's sport, and like, yeah, maybe you can add to this, Daisy. Haven't experienced it through AFL, but women's sport has just evolved so much now that, like, back when I was probably playing both, they were both very much part-time kind of. that you could kind of do both and it was okay, whereas now there's so much um, time and commitment just in playing one sport. So I guess, again, like it was just timing and, and luck that I kind of had that experience.
0: Just on that, I guess the decision to have to focus on one and choose cricket, was that with a tinge of sadness that you had to give it up or almost excitement that the place of women's sport had gotten to a spot where that was almost demanded. Yeah,
1: definitely a mix. Like, I loved, loved playing soccer. Yeah, and I think because they're quite different sports, like, the fact that, you know, I could go to soccer training and be over in 75 minutes and it was, like, short, sharp and intense and you'd be, you know, really knackered by the end of it and similar with the games, whereas crickets are pretty heavy investment of time um, so that like I love the differences there and just the different people and yeah I suppose just the way that the sports are they're just inherently like there's cultural differences and all that kind of stuff but on the other hand like the fact that I guess I had to end up just playing one sport is like an amazing nod to the progress that's happened within women's sport in that time and like it would be entirely selfish of me to want to keep playing both when there's
0: this yeah great opportunity to, I guess, be a full-time professional in one for so many people. I know you're going to give me a humble, straight bad answer, pardon the <laughs> pun, but how would you go if you pulled on a Matilda shirt tomorrow?
1: Oh, my God, totally rubbish. <laughs> I'd actually, yeah, like... Oh, I can not I imagine it. Um, yeah, I just feel like that, you know, both sports, like cricket and, and football, have evolved so much in the space of five years. And, like, I look at the Matildas and the way that they play now um, and I would be zero chance. I'd be left, left in dust on the field. But, um, yeah, it's been great to watch them evolve and um,
0: I'm certainly still a huge fan. I think there's probably a lot of people that are glad that, you said that if that is in fact true it makes us all feel a little bit better about ourselves
1: (laughs) my hammies are hurting just thinking about it I reckon I'd just pull one taking off to try and get a ball
0: (laughs) you mentioned your high school life a couple of times like you I'm a big fan of the Howie Games podcast and I listened to your episode on that and you spoke about this period in your high school life where it became okay to excel and achieve and you loved high school because whether it was an age thing or that school in particular you found a place where you were encouraged to try I'm interested to hear you explore that a little bit more because this is something that I have experienced personally and also I've seen it in my little sister and now that I've got a daughter I'm so mindful of it as well talk us through that experience a little bit more I
1: absolutely loved high school I think I was Probably really fortunate. I went to a school in Sydney that was kind of really about that, um, and in, in by that I mean sort of like trying to be good at something and trying really hard to excel at something, or like you know make the most of opportunities. And like our, kind of our school motto, there was a Latin one that I, <laughs> I still can't pronounce, but there's also another one, sort of like saying like a world of opportunity. And one of the things that really opened my eyes to when I went to to high school was that like. For me, like, I've probably always been most passionate about sport, but, like, that wasn't the only thing. You know, I had friends and girls in my year, like, doing incredible debating and that was just as cool or um, amazing musicians or great at drama or, like, all these, like, things that I suppose in my narrow mind and focus I kind of thought, oh, like, why would you want to do that? But then, like, going to the school that I did, that was, like, as celebrated and as encouraged as, you know, whether you were playing sport and you were the the jock of the year or or whatever it was yeah I don't know if it was a jock but I definitely was the one playing sport yeah so like I thought that was really important and like you know like I went to an all-girls school and that's not for everyone it doesn't doesn't suit everyone and you know I'm sure my experience at school is not going to be the same as as everyone's who went to the same school but I guess like for for young girls it's cool to like try really hard and you know want to be successful and sunny and passionate and like Ambitious about going about your goal, you need that kind of encouragement when you when you're around that age because there's a lot of uncertainty about who you are and your identity, and yeah, it's a tricky period. So to have that kind of
0: encouragement is really important. You're listening to This Is Grit. Victoria Police is now recruiting. Apply now. Up next, Elise explains how she juggles the want to play sport with the need to promote it, why the title of role model makes her uncomfortable, and how she's grown as a leader. On SEN. This is Grit, with Daisy Pearce. Welcome back to This is Grit. Victoria Police is now recruiting, apply now. My guest this week, the number one women's cricketer in the world, Elise Perry. Well, since sort of landing on the international stage in both your sports, you've kind of carried the weight of women's sport in this country but you've not only survived with that, you sort of flourished as time has gone on and I guess your recent performances would suggest you even getting better. How have you dealt with it? Why have you thrived so much under that, I guess, spotlight and expectation? I'm not
1: sure I look at it that way. Like I suppose like I've just loved every opportunity that's come my way and I, I, like I, I do think... whatever reason I really enjoy being challenged and like for me sport is kind of that avenue where like on a personal note maybe it's a little bit selfish but you can always be like better than what you are currently Um, and I guess the only way to do that is to train and to work hard at something and I really enjoy that so I think for me rather than I guess like the actual competitions or like the results and outcomes um I think I've just always really really enjoyed the process and yeah just like being able to go to training every day with people that you really enjoy spending time with and like working together on something um is a yeah pretty amazing job to have so I think that's always just been yeah what I've thought most about you know and obviously too being involved in this like incredible period of change and progress in women's sport like I guess it's only ever going to happen once to this extent so yeah it's kind of nice to be a part of that and like it's easy to enjoy everything that's kind of comes with that I suppose.
0: Have you kind of over the journey I think you'll probably say you've enjoyed the responsibility but have you felt any sense of responsibility to have to promote the sport or the sports you play or women's sport as a whole and kind of help put them on the map or is that just an enjoyable part of that process you speak of? Yeah,
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's a sense of responsibility. I think it's kind of a part of it. I think that the greatest thing about sport and I suppose, like I say this a lot, but specifically women's sport is it's such a good news story. Like there's so many amazing, I guess, and positive like kind of vibes around it that it's really easy to be a part of it. Like, I guess, you know, like, walking out there trying to defend things or like, yeah, it's, it's ultimately something that I think in a lot of respects makes people happy and provides enjoyment to people and you know, hopefully inspires lots of young kids, especially young girls, but boys and girls to, to play a sport or to do something that they love too. So from that point of view, it's a pretty easy role to play. You know, and I know as a team, like we absolutely, love being a part of that. Um, You know, we played last night, and just the amount of young kids that stay around after a game with their mum and dad, or, like, people that just come along because they really enjoy
0: watching the team play, like, that's the most satisfying part of it. I think it's it's pretty amazing. So the role model tag kind of sits comfortably on your back? Um,
1: oh, yeah, yes and no. I don't know, that question's a... I don't know, for some reason I always respond a little bit funny to that one, but, um, yeah, like, I think... I, I don't think I ever answer this very well, but like I kind of feel like as long as
0: you're
1: going out and representing your team and yourself in a way that's kind of genuine and authentic, hopefully that comes across as a good example to other people. But I also don't know if it's like our responsibility as a playing group to teach kids how to behave, if you know what I mean. Like, it's it's an interesting one, so... um, But, yeah, like, yeah, it's fine. I think it's great that we get to do something that people enjoy enjoy watching and and hopefully a lot of young kids kind of look up to, in a way.
0: So that's the role model tag. What about the supermodel tag? Because (laughs) the last count I did, (laughs) you have appeared on... I think I counted about six magazine front covers, <laughs> and that is something that most supermodels would just dream of in their careers. What, local um, magazines? Women's Health magazine, uh, Stella, Marie Claire, what was the other one that I saw, Oh, GQ, Gentleman's Quarterly. <laughs> How has that side of being, a, a, I guess, an elite athlete and a very highly marketable one, how have you kind of lived that evolution of your standing in, in sport, I guess?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, man. Um, actually, it's funny, like, thinking about it as an evolution, I suppose, like, when I first started out, yeah, you know, I would say that, like, it was almost even split in terms of training and, and touring and playing versus, I guess, doing some of that sponsorship work and, like, promotional kind of work. There's almost, like, equal amounts of time spent doing that. And then in the last couple of years, as the games uh, have professionalised and, like, we're playing so much more and touring and girls are training full-time, like, I would say a lot of that stuff is, like, uh, the promotional stuff was kind of, like, completely dropped off and I would be completely lying if I didn't say I'm 100% stoked about that um, <laughs> there's something incredibly tiresome about <laughs> walking into a studio and trying to pretend like you know what you're doing in front of a camera at least I think I know what I'm doing when I'm hitting a cricket
0: ball or bowling it but, um, I'm, I'm no. only laughing because I know the feeling that when a makeup artist asks you how you want it done yeah. and you think I, you got asked a que- you tell me.
1: I got asked a question the other day <laughs> and you, you, you might know the makeup artist asked me what kind of skin type I have <laughs> was it dry or moist and I was like I. how do you answer that yeah. I found out at the end that um, at the end of doing my makeup that I apparently have dry skin so that means that I should use you're always skin. learning about yeah. yourself and yeah apparently
0: most people in Australia have dry skin because of the sun and I was like okay <laughs> there you go I guess it, that shift that you're talking about in the split is indicative again of the progress and that you're no longer having to supplement your cricket income with that kind of activity as much. Uh,
1: yeah, no, I absolutely agree. And I think there's probably another part to that um, and something that I think is like really crucial for the continued development of, of women's sport is that I guess people are now looking at female athletes for their athletic endeavour. Um, and I and genuinely really interested in that. Whereas I suppose in the in the past, like a bit of my experience was it's a bit of a gimmick because I played two sports and that's sort of marketable and that's great. But they weren't actually, I guess really that interested in the competitions that we were playing in as a team or like how the team is actually going or like you know the nuances of the game and like you know all those kinds of things and, and results and that kind of stuff it was sort of more like oh this is a story that we can tell um, whereas now I think it's like the way that people watch our games and like hopefully continue to become more and more critical in terms of the way that the team plays and performs and like you know what kind of success that we're having is really important because I think that's sort of like in essence how you cover professional sport whereas I think in the past maybe women's sport has been more about like just what stories we can tell about
0: a couple of players I suppose. Don't worry, there's a whole segment coming dedicated to the inner cricket-slash-sport nuffies in both of us, but I'm just getting us there so that everyone else who maybe isn't as into it stays oh on the journey with us. that was certainly not a crack at you at all. I know the clear. feeling though. <laughs> <laughs> was there a moment where it suddenly dawned on you that you weren't the kid of the team anymore and you're in fact... One of the grown-ups and one of the leaders? Um,
1: Yeah, probably when some of the younger girls use phrases that I actually don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) What's the one at the moment? The OG. I had to ask for clarification on what that actually meant. Uh, Apparently it means your original of something Ah, yeah yeah, original gangster maybe you've enlightened me yeah so yeah that actually started happening a little while ago so I don't know I still kind of feel the youngest in a way it's really weird like it's kind of like at whatever point that you well this is how I feel about it anyway I don't know if you might feel differently but at whatever point that you sort of entered the team at I think it's almost like you feel like time stands still and that's your identity in the team from there on, no matter how much time goes goes by, I And guess. no matter who comes
0: and goes. Exactly. You just I, sort of think of yourself. I think it is one of the best parts of playing a team sport is that you have this outlet where you can go and age is completely irrelevant. You can act however you want (laughs) and be whoever you want to be and there'll be someone there that picks up and goes along with you. (laughs) Yeah that is very true actually and funnily enough I think sometimes it's the older girls looking for an outlet
1: to be really irresponsible and (laughs) immature again.
0: (laughs) On your leadership though because I mean you're the captain of the Sydney Sixers and although not title of the captain in the Australian team I'm sure I know you do a lot in a leadership sense to support Meg and inspire your teammates, what is your philosophy around leadership and how has that grown over the
1: journey? Yeah, I think it's probably one of those things that's probably always evolving in my mind a little bit, like if I think back to maybe like five or six years ago, I just probably looked at leadership as being like setting a really good example by being like the hardest trainer and being really professional and like serious and making sure that like you're doing all the right things and all the things that you can to perform well um, and yeah in a lot of ways I probably was way too like into that and then I guess over the last little bit in particular but certainly since I've had the opportunity to captain the Sixes for the last um, I think it's four years of the Big Bash that we've had now that's really changed in terms of realizing you can't just always be in game mode and that that just does not suit a team of athletes or a group of people because we're all at like different stages in terms of our psyche or mentality at times but also what's going on for you as an individual and it's kind of about like making the experience a really positive and enjoyable one for everyone and that's going to be different and um, the only way I guess you can do that is kind of having an understanding of each person in your team and like having yeah a fair bit of empathy around that stuff so I mean as long as you've all got like a I guess a common goal or yeah a common kind of like purpose for being there how each of you get to that is going to be very different and I think I've become a lot more open to that and understanding that everyone ticks a little bit differently and just because I enjoyed doing something in a particular way doesn't mean that that's going to work for everyone else so I think that's evolved a lot for me in the last little bit.
0: Thanks for listening to This Is Grit. Victoria Police is now recruiting. Apply now. Coming up, we put cricketing superstar Elise Perry through the AFL footy record pocket profile and find out about how her and Wallaby husband Matt Tamua make it work. The story behind her nickname from longtime friend Elisa Healy and her pre-game superstitions. On SEN, this is Grit. With Daisy Pearce Welcome back to This Is Grit Victoria Police is now recruiting Apply now This week I'm at the team hotel of the Australian women's cricket team Talking to Elise Perry The first ever cricketer to score a thousand runs And take a hundred wickets in the international T20s Alright, the third segment of all our interviews on This Is Grit is something I've stolen out of the AFL footy record, which you may or may not be familiar with. I know you're a Sydney girl, so when I say footy record, you probably think NRL. yeah, Or soccer. Or, in fact... Union. <laughs> yeah, maybe union these days. But, because of what? <laughs> um, oh, just because of some random
1: guy that I know. <laughs> but I have moved to Melbourne, so I'm trying really hard to learn a bit more about AFLW, especially because um, one of the girls that's actually li- living with me at the moment, she plays for GWS oh. in the AFLW, so she's taking me for a few kicks and like, <laughs> yeah, we've been we've been learning. Well, I've been learning. She already knows everything, but. <laughs>
0: Well, the random guy Elise speaks of is her husband, Matt Tamua. Yep. He plays for the Wallabies. He's a fly half for the Wallabies, but recently he came over to Melbourne to play with the Rebels. So that is that basically what's brought you to Melbourne to try and marry up a bit of your schedule?
1: <laughs> yeah, literally. So Matt was playing over in Leicester in the UK for the last three years or so and sort of got a pretty cool opportunity to come back and play for the Wallabies again. And it sort of worked out when we were sort of going through the options that Melbourne was going to be the best fit for both to be able to keep doing what we love doing, and also just like a really great chance to have a new experience and live in a different city. And so, we, we moved there pretty much at the start of the year and haven't been there a lot, but I've really enjoyed it, it's been, been really cool.
0: Just quickly before I get into the pocket profile from the footy record, which is where we were heading, how do you maintain a marriage <laughs> <laughs> when? You're an international cricketer on one schedule, and he's an international rugby player on another.
1: Yeah, it's probably slightly unorthodox, and I do think sometimes when I try and explain it, people look at me or look at us like we've got a couple of heads. But um... <laughs> Maybe it's the secret, we're having, no? <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe. Sometimes I float that idea, but I think we're both sort of, you know, when we met and all those things were designed to the fact that what we currently do for yeah, if you can call it a job, our job's um is gonna take us around the world a little bit and probably yeah, be fairly separate to one another at various times um, I certainly think that the advent of FaceTime and Whatsapp and all those kinds of um, technological options have made a big difference as well but I think we both absolutely love what we're doing and I love kind of seeing the way Matt goes about those things um, I've certainly learnt huge amounts from him and the way that he, he trains and prepares and thinks about his sport and so we've sort of been able to share those experiences too, and yeah, it's been really nice to to do that with someone, you know, in the way that we have. So it's obviously not going to last forever um, in terms of us playing sport, but yeah, I think we're both pretty keen to make
0: the most of it. Sounds like it's reciprocated. You're not only learning from him, but the other way, because I saw him quoted in an article recently. He's over at the World Cup at the moment, the Rugby World Cup, saying that he draws a lot of his, I guess, inspiration and knowledge from talking to you about your experiences as well.
1: It's been really cool actually to share that, like uh, we both obviously play quite different sports and I think it's funny because we don't really talk so much about the intricacies of our sports to one another, I think we're both pretty sick of it by the time we get home, but um, just like general like philosophies and, and mindsets around things and particularly like ways of doing things within a team structure and like high performance type stuff, I think we've both got a bit of an interest in that, so it's been kind of cool to swap stories and give each other ideas around
0: that stuff, so yeah it's Really, really fun. All right, pocket profile. I was a long time getting there, but it's a punchy little segment where you just quick-fire answers, whatever comes to mind. Okay. First one. It's just a loosener. Do you have a nickname? Yes, it's Pez. My last name's Perry, so. Yeah. Doesn't Alyssa Healy. have another nickname
1: for you? Yeah I'm still saved in Elisa's phone as Dags which is when we met when we were nine years old (laughs) we were playing like some school sport and I was playing for one team she's playing for the other team but basically I was so small and the smaller size uniforms that they had were still way too big so I kind of had shorts that went down to my mid-shin and a t-shirt that went out of my wrists and she just called me Dags Um, (laughs) and I think yeah I'm still in her phone as that. You've outgrown her now though haven't you? Yeah tenfold like she's (laughs) tiny now well her nickname Midge um,
0: <laughs> but yeah back in the day. Tell us about your relationship with her because as you mentioned before it started well before both pulling on a baggy green or a green and gold uniform.
1: Yeah as I said before we sort of met at um, a school carnival. I just remember must have been on the sidelines and she was by far the shortest in her team probably the youngest and she had this like little short blonde bob with a, a blonde fringe and Even from a distance, you could tell she just, like, ruled the roost in that team. Like, she would have had girls, and particularly when you're at school, this is a big deal when someone's older than you, like, they were just, like, eating out of the palm of her hand. Um, To an extent, I don't think anything has changed. Um, (laughs) Yeah, that was kind of my first impression of, of me and i just thought wow like she's pretty cool and then we met so we, we sort of like ended up in the same team after that that kind of what they picked sort of like a rep team and we met and i was like totally shy and i just remember having like these really cool like surf sandals that i really wanted i think they were reefs or something like that and <laughs> I was like, mum, can I get a pair of them? She's like, no way, you can't have them. Like, <laughs> So then I was jealous of mid as well as of, in awe of it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, since then, like, we've literally played in exactly the same teams... I think since we're nine years old so club cricket state cricket for australia for the sydney Sixers and the big bash it's it's amazing school cricket as well we didn't go to the same school but it's same school rep teams and all those kinds of things so it's been a long long journey um and i think to be fair we're probably a little bit more like sisters than we are friends in the sense that we just know each other so well so it's been really cool to share that with someone and i think too like in a lot of ways we're actually really different um personalities so it was Sort of complement each other, and she plays a really different role to me in, in cricket. We're very different players as well, so um, there hasn't really been like yeah that kind of rivalry. I think we both annoy each other a lot, but none of it is related to cricket. It's, it's sort of like away from that, so um, yeah, it's been funny to to have Midgey along the ride I think (laughs) because she's always been like one of the most
0: talented if not the most talented in any team that she plays in and for her now to be able to put it together in performances it's been really cool. We're chatting to Elise Perry doing the pocket profile from the AFL footy record. Things are about to get very hard hitting so stick with us. (laughs) Have you got any pre-match superstitions or routines?
1: Yeah, definitely routine, routines. I like to like write a few notes in in a book before we leave for the ground. I actually always probably the last person I speak to before we play a game is my dad. So my dad's still my batting coach um, with cricket and we've sort of always done cricket together. It's kind of been like this thing that we've shared so I always check in with him before we play a game and then I'm a little bit like weird with like putting things on the right side of my body first. I've got no idea when or why that started but like I put my my right shoe on my right pad. It's pretty stupid. Cricket seems to enable all those kinds of like superstitions (laughs) within a
0: dressing room but yeah, that's probably my one. What's the greatest individual effort you've ever seen on a cricket field?
1: Well, so last If it wasn't year. last night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that was pretty amazing from from Elisa. Um, last year, I think, actually, in our semi-final, the WBBL, we were playing the Melbourne Renegades and they needed three off the last ball. And it's probably, like, in a team sport that is, a lot of ways, very individual, it's the most team play I've ever seen occur on a cricket field and I'm a little bit biased because it was a team I was playing in but essentially um, the Renegades needed three off the last ball the ball got hit out to deep backward point and our cover fielder basically ran a long long way around to get to this ball it's like amazing dive save taps the ball onto another one of our fielders who's like come to support she's picked it up thrown it back to the wicket keeper who's then caught it and then thrown it to the bowlers and hit the stumps and run the batter out coming back for a third run so it was like the most amazing set of events ever so it was a tie and then we went into a super over after that but like I've never seen anything it was incredible yeah what is your most
0: prized possession probably my a cubra I think is there a story behind it or Um, you just like it as a fashion accessory
1: (laughs) no I kind of like done a fair bit of camping the last little bit and there's something about I don't know putting that hat on it kind of just
0: like makes me happy flow on from that then favourite holiday destination where do you take your from?
1: <laughs> yeah I think anywhere around Australia really I'd, I'm a bit loath to jump back on a plane and go overseas at the moment I'd, like as, as great and wonderful as the big wide world is I think there's so much in our own backyard that we don't get to see you know even though I travel around Australia a lot to play sport you sort of only end up in the major cities so yeah it's been nice to kind of get away from that and see a bit more of it most famous person you've ever met my auntie would kill me if I didn't say Prince Harry, I think, and Prince William. She got really angry at me because I probably wasn't as excited <laughs> as, as she was about it and I didn't invite her along. So, oh. <laughs> Not to say I'm not a fan, but um, yeah, she, yeah, that, that was pretty cool.
0: Is there a talent that you wish you had? Oh
1: yeah, I'd love to be able to sing or dance or
0: both that's pretty greedy but <laughs> um it's incredible how many athletes actually answer with that
1: yeah well I, <laughs> one of the girls was trying to teach me how to i i believe it's called shuffling <laughs> the other day on the dance floor and all i managed to do was do like high knees like <laughs> was like a running drill <laughs> so embarrassing <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to This Is Grit. Victoria Police is now recruiting. Apply now. Up next, Elise opens up on the impact that being fully professional has had on women's cricket and her strong views on the pay gap between male and female athletes. You don't want to miss it. On SEN, This Is Grit with Daisy Pearce. Welcome back to This Is Grit. You're more suited than you might think to join Victoria Police. Apply now. My final guest of the year for This Is Grit is record breaking dual international sports superstar Elise Perry. Elise, talk to us about what the feeling was like physically, emotionally, all, all things when you lifted your bat having hit a double century in the Ashes a couple of years ago? I guess like um,
1: (laughs) when you play for a reasonably long period of time you end up having some okay days where things just go your way by law of averages. But that game in itself, like that test match was just like, it was such a cool experience. I think it was the first ever day night women's test match and then played at like this iconic ground in north sydney and people came which was the biggest highlight by far is like across the four days like the people that came along and just like thoroughly enjoyed the cricket and the atmosphere and yeah sort of in, in my mind like particularly because it was test match cricket which is not something we typically play a lot of or we've had much support with in the last sort of bit um yeah to have people like really show up and say that they were interested and cared it was absolutely awesome so i remember that game a lot for that um it was very special and it was nice to yeah just play a role in it i guess we end up drawing that ma- match because if anyone's sort of interested in cricket probably knows that north sydney is like undoubtedly the best place to bat <laughs> in the country you, you, like once you kind of in you don't get out but um
0: yeah it was cool I don't think we can put the the whole innings down to it being a good batting wicket. But you certainly vindicated people turning up with your performance, so you put on a good show. Do you have a favourite format? It sounds like Tess is your true love.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I think for most people, like playing a test match and I guess receiving a baggy green is pretty much the pinnacle of, of playing cricket for Australia he's a little bit different in in the women's format or sorry in the women's game just because we don't really play much of it we only ever play against England in in an Ashes series so they're almost a bit of an ulti really but they're great and they are like the ultimate test I guess of your ability in every facet like not just you know I guess T20 is a different kind of test in terms of being dynamic and being able to really like take a hold of a game quickly but I guess with test match cricket it's so drawn out and it like asks so many questions of you relentlessly that in itself is like such a great thing to be a
0: part of what is it about the dynamic of your team at the moment because it had great success both at the world cup and the recent ashes and the series like dotted along either side of that I don't think you've lost one for or since before the world cup when you took on New Zealand yeah. Or maybe back further than that, but <laughs> that's as far back as I could remember. But what is it about this team or the program being run by Cricket Australia at the moment that is seeing such good results? I think it's probably a combination of a lot
1: of things. I think we've got like a really great blend of experience and yeah, youthful exuberance as well um, that's kind of created this really great atmosphere and, and vibe amongst amongst the group that lends itself to people like really enjoying their time and, and wanting to perform form and like being ambitious and motivated but also being like yeah, really great team players I think that's a really nice blend that we have at the moment I think undoubtedly the fact that we are so well supported by Cricket Australia and you know the resources that are now accessible to us in the way that we are able to train and prepare and travel and Um, all those things definitely make a big difference and you know we've probably been professional now for four or five years and like i think that is really starting to pay dividends in terms of girls performances and the way that they go about things um I think we've got a great great coaching staff and I think you know in a lot of ways and I'm not meaning this as an arrogant comment but I think we're leading the world in those things so it's almost our duty in a way it sounds a bit weird but it's our duty to, to perform and play well and, and show that if you do invest in this and if you do really set like
0: a, a level of importance to your women's team they're going to play well and represent the sport well. Yeah I think it transcends what you're saying beyond cricket too it's certainly something that I love watching unfold because it's kind of like evidence of that with great investment and professionalism you know you're going to get a better standard and results. so as someone that's involved in other sports i love watching the cricket team for that reason oh well,
1: it's yeah it's a, it's a really funny one um and you might have a comment on this but i think one of the best things that ever happened to us is actually the advent of the aflw because i think cricket and afl kind of have this weird rivalry <laughs> right and um the aflw was announced and it was like cricket almost went oh my gosh we're gonna lose players or you know the afl is gonna trump us in terms of being more popular for, for females so we better do something about it it. And literally, like a couple of months later, whether it's coincidental or not, I don't know, but all of a sudden we had full time contracts, and so I was like, thank you. <laughs> Yeah. W. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so it's kind of like this interesting, like, amongst women's sport in Australia at the moment. It's like this really great collaboration and everyone's pushing for progress and development and really want everyone to do well. And then there's, like, this undercurrent of, like, competition about, yeah, but we don't want you to do as well as what <laughs> our sport's doing, if
0: that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you're so right. And people often will say, like, oh, you're bitter that the cricketers are full-time and you know they get this this and this but it's almost the complete opposite i love that you guys have that because like you're saying it creates this jostling of wanting to be better and the best and that can only do one thing it just keeps raising the standard and the bar for the opportunities and conditions that we have so i think it's It's all good. I I love watching (laughs) it all unfold.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I think as the athletes, we're in the best position, right, because we're just kind of reaping the (laughs) the rewards. (laughs) I think it's all the administrators that are having a hard time.
0: (laughs) Actually, just quickly on that, I mean, it's very topical at the moment in Melbourne and within AFLW circles throughout the country with a big pay deal being negotiated at the moment. I've always been interested in your answer to questions about, say, the wage gap. What is your take on that in your sport?
1: Yeah, um, is. isn't probably more the organisation's kind of standpoint but like in a lot of ways I, I agree with this is that I think cricket were very deliberate in the way that they set up the pay structure so that it, it essentially reflects reflected the hours worked in terms of you know like the way that we're remunerated is based on the amount of time that we spend training and travelling and playing as are the, are the men and obviously they do that a lot more than us so it's sort of indicative of, of where that's at and I think you know like there's a really interesting question within sport at the moment particularly women's sport is like kind of this whole and it's been the same argument for a long time Is like is it chicken or egg like do you have to invest heavily in it for it to then grow and develop and then I guess pay for itself so to speak or do you have to wait till it grows to a point where it is kind of like bringing in large amounts of revenue for a sporting organisation to justify how much they're paying I guess. I think that there's probably a a medium between the two that you you have to invest um, some money and and make it really visible for people and give the sport a chance to grow but at at the same point um, I think you've got to make sure that the sport is is built on really solid foundations and for me I think it's interesting because like the last couple of years has been like this huge watershed moment across women's sport in the country and all of a sudden this narrative and the way that it's reported about in the media is all about like quality and how much people are being paid and like all those kinds of things but in reality from my experience it's like this progress has been happening for like the last decade if not longer and so like where cricket is at for example and they're probably one of the leading sports in in the country is because there's a solid 10 or 15 years behind it where be steadily increasing the amount that players are being paid but it's also reflected the amount of like I guess TV viewership that we're bringing in, uh, broadcast deals and, in- and interest in that, the-, the amount of people that come into games, the amount of young girls taking up the sport. Like, it's sort of all goes together. Um, whereas, I suppose, in other sports that are a bit younger in that sense, like, I think there's kind of, like, this real rush for it to all happen overnight, and it just doesn't. It's great that that's people's ambition, but I think it's got to be a little bit more measured than that.
0: So you're somewhat content and understanding that It will never be exactly the same when you look at raw figures in wages and that kind of thing until it's generating its own revenue and self-sustaining in a sense.
1: Yeah, but I think in saying that, like, to me, that's the only way I would want it to be the same um, because I think that means that we're doing our jobs as well as we possibly can. Like, I guess as callous as this sounds, I'm not interested in a handout, like, yes, I think you need to be able to support female athletes and give them the opportunity to prepare and train and play as professionals so that they can actually achieve what you're asking them to achieve but at the same time, like There's some responsibility and ownership there for us to produce a product that is good enough and entertaining enough to make people want to invest in it. So, yeah, it's not just one way or the other. Um, But it's a really
0: exciting and interesting space to be a part of, no matter what. Well the bus really is about to leave and we can't finish on that so just as a finisher to get off that heavy topic, the World Cup on Home Soil that's coming up in February this year, how excited are you about that tournament? Really really excited actually I think without
1: a doubt it's sort of been probably billed as the biggest tournament that that I certainly am um, potentially going to be a part of, you know, if I'm selected and all those kinds of things. But um, to, for them to have, I guess, set this goal of, like, having the final at the MCG on International Women's Day and, like, really wanting it to be, like, a, a full house. Um. Mark it in your diaries, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I <only> reckon. <laughs> 100%. But, um, yeah, like, having watched the <laughs> AFL grand final a couple of weeks ago and seeing that packed out, I was, like, thinking at the time, fire out, like, imagine if that's a a game of women's cricket um, with the same crowd in you know, a few months' time. So, um, yeah, it's pretty exciting. I suppose there's a little
0: bit of cricket to go before them, but, um, yeah, fingers crossed. Well, Elise, thanks so much for your time. Great to catch up and talk about you. So well, I, I thought it was great, <laughs> even if you didn't. And also just your views on sport and women's sport. It's really interesting to hear from you and, and meet you. Oh, thanks for having me. i really enjoyed it. <laughs> good luck in... Brisbane and wherever else you go before we all see you at the MCG in the (laughs) World Cup cricket final that we're going to fill the G for. (laughs) Yeah, fingers crossed. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening to This Is Grit. Victoria Police is now recruiting. Apply now. A big thank you to Elise Perry and to Cricket Australia for this week's episode. And I'd also like to thank the incredible and inspirational Peter Searle, Hanin Zreka, Jess Stenson, Alicia Eva, Peggy O'Neill, Lisa Hardeman, Eleni Gluftus, Tiana Ernst, Ash Barty and like I said, Elise Perry for sharing their stories with us this year on This Is Grit. And thank you for listening to them. If you missed any of the chats throughout the year, you can head to sen.com.au.